Welcome to another episode of Civic Cipher. I am your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. This is not the quiet storm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get my voice back. You are tuned in to Civic Cipher. Yes, indeed. Uh, stick around. We have an excellent show lined up for you today. We're going to talk about local elections and why they are important and what can go wrong if you choose not to participate or if you choose to ignore it. And you know, the best part about today's episode is we have an incredible gentleman with us today, a very special guest and a dear friend of mine and a friend of the show, um, Mr. Jevin Hodge, who most recently was the Democratic nominee in Arizona's first district. That's Scottsdale, for those that know. Um, and his race of all the 435 seats was the sixth closest decided 10 days after the election and decided by less than 1% of the vote. And I'm, I'm confident that list goes on. So please say hello to our listeners and let them know a little bit more about you. Well, the first thing I have to say is thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. And thanks to all the folks, you know, tuning in. And uh, this is this is about to be a great show. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, and, and the reason one of the things I'm most excited for, because I've been involved in politics and government for a while here. When I, I was elected at 22 years old to lead the Democratic Party in the state of Arizona, I was the youngest statewide black official in the country. And one of my jobs is making sure we get folks elected and we get folks and we have uh, conversations around civic engagement and we have run for local office. I've run for the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors in one of the closest races in Arizona history and then most recently for the United States Congress. So we're going to I'm excited to talk about the importance of being involved and being engaged, but more importantly, the power of your voice. Right. Well, I can't wait to get to all of that. And so much more um like i said great show lined up for you today but first and foremost uh like we always do at this time it is time for some ebony excellence q shall we we shall so today's ebony excellence is sponsored by hip-hop weekly media and i will be sharing from binnews.com shout out to the black information network one time if you don't mind a Georgia high school student has earned over a million dollars in scholarships from dozens of schools across the country. Uh, quote, I'm so blessed to have this opportunity, 17-year-old uh, Regis Harris said, her Atlanta News First. He goes on to say, there were several schools at the top of my list. Harris, a senior at Chapel Hill High in Douglasville, was accepted to over 40 colleges that are offering a total of $1.6 million in scholarships. Some of the schools include the University of Georgia and USC. Uh, he says it was a lot of sacrifices. There were a lot of nights I stayed up studying all night long. The straight A student is a member of the band, chess club, varsity track team and National Honor Society. He also works part time and sings in the church choir. Uh, Harris said he sees community service just as just as important as his academics. He goes on to say the hardest part for me was that I balanced staying on top of work, but also that I maintained being a well-rounded person. Uh, he was born with a heart condition, um, and his parents say their son has been a fighter all of his life. Uh, quote, the doctors told me uh, he would be developmentally delayed, his mother, Kia Harris, said. Uh, quote, they even stated that he might have to have heart surgery again. Wow. He is our miracle. Uh, but Harris has been able to defy the odds and uh, looks forward to the next chapter in his life. Quote, I'm looking forward to being able to adapt, to expand my mind. My learning and i can't wait he said harris plans to attend north carolina a t where he'll study biology and hopes of becoming a psychiatrist so shout out to regis harris 
you are indeed ebony excellence. Now, vote local. Okay, we've talked about this on the show before. But today, we have an expert in the building, a political commentator in Jevin Hodge, and someone who can help educate us and you at the same time in terms of why these things are so important. So what we'll do is we'll talk about some of the things that have happened recently. And what I'd like to do is get your reaction and just kind of the whys. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So um, the one thing that's been making... I guess the most news in this space uh, in the past week, couple of weeks, I should say, is uh, Tennessee. Um, so the Tennessee House expelled two Democratic black lawmakers um, after falling short of outs, outs, ousting another. Uh, that word always um, ties me up. So uh, Tennessee's Republican-controlled House of Representatives voted to expel uh, Representatives Justin Jones and Justin Pearson a week after they led a gun reform protest on the House floor. Mm -hmm. Don't worry, the story has a happy ending. But I think that this example, and we'll get to the others, um, shows exactly how much power there is in local governments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about maybe what happened here and how folks participating in the election process could help shape these outcomes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to start by highlighting a theme that we're going to keep coming back to today on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that your vote matters and your voice matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what folks often forget is how powerful their vote and their voice really truly are. Uh, and it's our jobs to remind them and remind them the power of their participation in their democracy, the power of participating in government, the power of utilizing their val- their vote at the ballot box and utilizing their voice, whether it's that vote at the ballot box or in a demonstration or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. But this situation here is truly unique because there were three lawmakers that were voted to be expelled, um, two black males and another that was not a black individual. But the only two lawmakers that had the votes to be expelled were the two black individuals mm-hmm. so there's a there's a racial component that competes with that is involved in this mm-hmm. but the reason why they were were up for the explosion was because they were utilizing their voice um and protected under the first amendment right is your freedom of speech mm-hmm. they weren't doing anything unlawful they weren't doing anything to infringe upon the freedoms or the safety of anyone else but simply protesting um, a significant issue that we have here in this country around gun violence uh, and the future of gun rights um, and all of that. And mm-hmm. so these individuals were, and, and what they were doing is that they were they were protesting, they were utilizing their voice uh, in a space in which they could garner the attention, mm-hmm. right? On the floor yeah. of the House of Representatives. Where it's going to matter. It, exactly. And so let's go back now to the, 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 the most important thing, how your vote and your voice matters. Okay. When you don't participate in an election, people get elected that may not do the best thing by the individual, right? And, you know, it's not, it's not one side or an, an, another that basically decides an election. It really comes down to the folks that are, are apathetic. It's the, it's the apathy that decides an election. I mean, we are the most advanced nation uh, in the world. Where in a great elect, a great election, right? We see 65, 70% participation. Mm. I mean, and that's just outstanding. Yeah. That'd be an astronomical. That, that's exactly right. So you're telling me, you're telling me that at the end of the day, if, if only 70% of the people participate, 
Right. That's great. I, 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 you know, don't get me wrong. I understand a C is still passing grade, but when you live in a country that the first amendment, right, is the value of your voice, the value of the freedom of your speech, and you're not utilizing that, that means that our system is flipped on its head at its core. And so in situations like this happens, because you have people in communities that aren't utilizing their votes mm -hmm. and you have individuals that are getting elected because of apathy. You get individuals that are getting elected in districts, right? Whether it's at the state level in this case or at city levels um, and the municipal level um, because of the lack of participation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times, right? A lot of the times, and this is the one that blows my mind. These elections are decided by small amounts of votes. Uh, I, I was, I was actually going to, um, suggest that um I, I remember seeing something on netflix recently and and this kind of put the thought in my head what was suggested uh in this documentary mm -hmm. i forget the name of it but what was suggested was that because of how our political system is set up a vote from an individual in california is worth approximately half in terms of its value to the overall election process than a vote from a white landowner male who lives in Wisconsin. And that got me to thinking, if I don't vote, if I don't engage, which historically my understanding is that those of us of a more liberal mm -hmm. um, persuasion uh, tend to vote less mm -hmm. and, and those with more conservative values are very much engaged at every level of the political process. So if I, being a liberal-minded individual, don't vote, that ensures that the vote of uh, those who perhaps want to see the country revert back to an earlier time, state, whatever, it actually increases the weight of their vote if I don't engage in the political process. Is that... That, that is a very, very good way of looking at okay. this, right? Okay. Um, and... And I want to start by saying this, like I have my views, I have my ideological standing and what I believe, and I'm a proud Democrat, I don't run from it. But as someone who has vied for elected office, my job is not to be an ambassador of a certain interest or a certain ideological stance, mm -hmm. but to be a representative of 100% of the population. And that's what's missing, mm -hmm. right? Because of exactly what you just highlighted. If we have one for one participation, then that means that you know the elected official is forced to listen to both people. But for every one vote, you got two on the other side, and, and that could be Democrat or Republican. But in this case, right, it's you know, for every one liberal that doesn't vote, right, another, you know, conservative does vote, mm -hmm. right? That's one for two, which means that the elected official that then is elected only has to cater to one ideological to the voters exactly. not the population the voters that are participating exactly that's right I mean. and you know exactly i just i just want to make sure we're clear about yeah, yeah. that right because everybody you know as long as you're registered you're a voter right but if you're not participating well yeah that, you, you so know that they got to pay attention that, to the people who are that's exactly process, right not the population that's that exactly right that's exactly right and that's the reason why our system is flawed mm -hmm. right our system is flawed because we, you have individuals that are working every single day to destroy what we all collectively have worked so hard to protect and to preserve, right? And as long as voting is difficult, there's no reason why we don't have automatic voter registration nationwide. There's no reason why, you know, we're not automatically registering 18 year olds in their civics class or history class That's while so they're weird, in high school, yeah. right? But 
but but that's by design, mm-hmm. right? Because as long as is certain folks are making it harder for people to vote, that means that they're going to be able to maintain an office. That means that they're going to be able to continue to do nonsense things like what happened in Tennessee, mm-hmm. right? And and again, go. Let's go back to the beginning. Your vote matters, and your voice matters. You may not always get what you strive for, but your vote matters. And your voice matters. I, I appreciate yeah. that. Before we move on, how do we get people to believe what you just said? Right? Because the disenfranchisement of the voter sets the table for the outcome that you guys just yeah. talked about, where I only have to cater my messaging to the people who are going to actually turn out. I know these people aren't going to turn out mm-hmm. because I and my colleagues have shown them that their voice does not matter. Yep. Yeah. Even those that come out and vote, I've shown them. Now, for multiple election cycles, your voice really doesn't matter. So as that number starts to dwindle and people get less and less motivated to even show up, then, of course, why would I have any messaging or any policy promises to these people who I know, based on my behavior and those like me, have gotten to a point where they are apathetic, where they do not feel like their voice matters, and we keep proving it to them? My brother, that right there is what keeps me up at night. Right. Like you just gave me chills asking that question because we have to change the class of people who are running for office because you have the disenfranchised folks. And there are so many different categories of disenfranchised folks who live below the socioeconomic belt. Right. Folks like us, black from the black community. Right. You got folks in the LGBT community community. When you feel forgotten and left behind by your government because of the elected officials, you have no desire to participate and no willingness to participate. So we have to flip that on its head. And I'll just give you a very practical example. I've run for office twice. I've run for office and I've had over a million people cast their votes in elections for me. And both of my elections, when you combine the vote vote totals together, is less than 3,500 votes. And the reason being is because I personally believe we expanded the electorate. I ran for the county supervisors, which is like a county commissioner in Maricopa County mm-hmm. for a district that had over a million people. The vote was decided 15 days after the election by 403 votes. And I ran in a district where, as a Democrat, where Trump carried the district by eight points to the election before. Mm-hmm. This was not a Democratic district. And then I just ran for the United States Congress uh, in a district where you had a 12-year Republican incumbent. Um, and my race was decided by uh, 0.7% or 3,000 votes eight days or 10 days after the election. The reason why I highlight that is because when you can flip the status quo on its head, the results will always be in your favor. And what did we do differently? And I always say we, is that we weren't campaigning. Never once did I campaign for office. It was about building a movement to strengthen our democracy. And when you can inspire people to believe that never believe that their government or their democracy was for them, that changes the complete composition of the system. And what's going to have to happen in order to change the makeup of the, you know, I mean, look, l- let me tell you one of my favorite quotes. If you want to change the laws, you got to change the lawmakers. And the only way to change the lawmakers is to make sure that you have people who are reflective of the community participating in their election. You got to change the voters. I, I, and I, I want to jump in right here because yep. I think that this is exactly what we're seeing for those folks who might be um, disengaged mm-hmm. from the political process, if I had to guess. Um, the the best way to see what it could look like if everybody, not just you, I know as individuals, everybody's focused on money. I'm not mad at you. We all are focused on money. Mm-hmm. But 
this is a long road that we have mm -hmm. to walk and, and and money's at the end of it. We got mm -hmm. a lot of stuff to get through before we get there. This is my my belief. So if we want to have an idea of how it could look, we can just look at the way conservatives mm -hmm. move. Mm -hmm. And in particular, we're talking about, you know, Tennessee. Those representatives were elected. All those Republican uh, representatives were elected. And as soon as they had an opportunity, as soon as they had the smallest little bit of dirt, you know what the funniest thing is that we, you know, we're all black men in here. Mm -hmm. We always say how we have to be twice as good to be go half uh, as far. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Twice as good to go half as far. Um, so this is a perfect example of that. You know, they didn't mess up, but you know, as soon as the conservative majority, they're found an angle. They didn't, uh, censor them. They didn't censor mess up. them. They, they, they exactly. They, they did the job that they were elected yeah, to, to do. Exactly. They, these but, people probably campaign on these principles. Exactly. And right. I want to just highlight to exactly what you just said. I want to bring this back to your point, Q. When you can make people feel something, and you can inspire them to believe in something greater than them, that's how we strengthen the system. That's how we, you know, it's not just asking people to vote, right? It's asking the question of how can I be a part of your life? How can we make your life better? And it's not just going to go talk to them in October before the November election. Right. It's talking to them in, in December before the election in two years, mm -hmm. right? It's making sure that we have this continuous conversation. And I just want to give you an example that's very fresh in all of our minds, right? And, and one that we probably won't forget. And I know you got, I know y'all got a lot of listeners out there that's much younger than us. So they may not, they may not remember what the, the country felt like in 08, but President Obama inspired you to believe hope change right inspired you to believe in something that never you know we could never imagine existing if y'all remember y'all remember how it felt in 08 in 2010 where people were inspired to participate well the same phenomenon happened in 2016 it just wasn't to us mm. right mm. president trump inspired a group of people who felt forgotten and left behind by the previous administration and that's how he got elected Right. He got inspired a group of people who felt forgotten and left behind. So two very good examples on different sides of the ideological spectrum. But what they did is the same exact thing. Right. Well, one campaign was filled with lies and bigotry and xenophobia. And we're not going to go that. there. Make sure you, you know, we're not, we're not going to go there. Racism <laughs> and, and, you know, and all those things. But they, they essentially attempted to uh, inspire a group of people who felt forgotten and left behind by their government. Right. And when we can do that at the local level, Right. That's how we build a more transparent, a more efficient government. You know, my mother, for example, is a city councilwoman in the city of Tempe, first black woman elected in the mm. city of Tempe. I mean, this woman is living history. But what she has done, you know, she's out there. You know, when community members are angry at a decision that she made, she doesn't run in the back room. She goes and puts up a chair and like if they want to yell and if they want to argue, you know, and it's never arguing. Let me be clear. If they want to voice the frustration. She is there for them to touch and allow them to voice their frustration because that's what your elected officials are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Not run away in those tough moments or cater to the people that are are, are kissing your tail. Mm. Now, um, I also want to talk about some other examples mm -hmm. in local government. So, Q, why don't you uh, take us to uh, North Dakota? Ramses deals with these issues a lot better than I do <laughs> because flagrant hypocrisy flagrant flagrant bigotry flagrant racism they 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 hit me a little different mm -hmm. i think a lot of our colleagues and constituents have determined that flagrant and direct racism bigotry and hypocrisy is kind of intellectually beneath them to emote about mm. 
it drives me insane. Mm-hmm. Because right? you care about people, brother. The Bismarck Tribune uh, is where this story comes from. Ten days after narrowly defeating a bill to provide free school lunches to low-income K-12 through students. <laughs> this is even... And I laugh because of how frustrating this is to read. The North Dakota Senate approved legislation to increase the amount of money lawmakers and other state employees receive in meal reimbursements. I'm going to read that again because it's <laughs> really that unbelievable. Ten days after defeating a bill to provide school lunches, free school lunches to children, that same body went on to approve legislation to increase the amount of money they get them and their colleagues for meal reimbursement. Let's take money from our children while approving legislation, legislation, I'm sorry, to give ourselves more money for the same thing. It's a wild world we live in, but I think that these are duly elected officials, by the way. But again, this is a, 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 an incredible example of, exactly how far your vote in local elections can Mm -hmm. go the Mm -hmm. the temperament the values of these people um you know for those even even republicans there's a quote from the bible i think it came from jesus and it's like the poor you will have with you always or something like that Mm -hmm. right that bill approved by republican lawmakers (laughs) as if i needed to say that (laughs) so you know um I think there's a term rhino Republican mm-hmm. in name only, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but folks with, with those biblical values that, that, that party tends to espouse would not be voting in this way. Right. Um, it, 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 what is the purpose of the government? No. If not to care for children well, who you are, are hungry, you are talking about people who use the Lord Jesus Christ for marketing. <laughs> <laughs> well, these you are know. not beliefs. John McCain, the PR campaign. Well, uh, you know, that that's a whole nother topic for a segment down the road. <laughs> but, you know, it's folks like John McCain, rest in peace, right? Folks like you know, Barry Goldwater, rest in peace. These are traditional principled conservatives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I, you know, and I, I got the opportunity before the senator passed away to work with the senator on a few different things. Mm-hmm. And we didn't always agree. And there are a number of different Republicans that I still work with to this day that we don't always agree on, okay. but you know, their heart is in the right place. Sure. And with initiatives like this, right, you, you are led to ask the question of why the hell are you doing this? Mm. Right. Because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. What's the purpose right? of a government if not to take care of kids, it, children that are poor in, 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 and, and, you know, they're, they're going to give you some fiscal argument. They're going to give you this discussion about this or that. But it's the second action is the one that we must be most concerned about. What's that? Right. And it's the fact that they just a week later, they voted for meal reimbursements for themselves. And so their hypocrisy is on full display. So it's, it, you know, the, the philo- philosophical standing here is that, you know, we don't want to pay for everybody to have everything, but it's okay for us to have it. Mm. And that's that's the issue. Because, look, if it's in, if it's an intellectual discussion, right, rooted and based in substance, I'm happy to have it. Right. Like, okay. So if the budget doesn't support paying for, you know, free, not saying that that's my personal opinion, but if the budget doesn't support it and you can logically articulate why and where, you know, there's going to be shortcomings, let's have the discussion. But you can't say that, you know, I'm, I, I can't give money to these folks because I don't want to, but I can give money to us because I want to. Right. Like that's not, you know, but let's go back to the number one thing. And 
and nine-year-olds can't yeah. get a job. That, oh. There you go. So before we uh, wrap this part of the show mm -hmm. up, I do want to mention another instance, this one in North Carolina. So this comes from CBS News. A Democrat in a North Carolina state house switched to the Republican Party Wednesday, giving the GOP veto-proof control in both chambers of the legislature. It's a setback for Democratic Governor Roy Cooper as he tries to block hardline conservative policies in his final two years in office. Basically, what this means is that they can override the governor's vetoes. Mm -hmm. So what you're seeing now is people who vote in the election process every four years i believe that's when you have a chance to pick your governors um but people not voting in you know the local elections which tend to also be overrepresented by conservatives so you have a state like north carolina where the conservatives run the the house and the the, the state house and the state senate but you have a uh democratic democratic governor, governor and now he can't do anything because of a lack of engagement so i wonder why someone would make such a switch who knows